Hello, everybody. Uh, you are listening to the Macaw Podcast, Podcast Universe. Universe. Um, it's the podcast where we take on franchises. Uh, they have to have three or more. Um, and right now, today, we are in the throes of Marvel Phase 3, and we are doing Spider-Man Homecoming, which is just kind of funny because by this point in time, there had already been, this would be the sixth live-action Spider-Man movie. Um, but this is the first one in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Is he the most, like, people have made superhero movies on him? The most? Um, I mean, I, I don't know. But I, as a solo person, I would assume so. Because there's probably more X-Men movies. At but... the the company I work at, they there is a book, a children's book coming out about Spider-Man. And one of the marketing points said that it is he is the most beloved comic book character. Oh, yeah. That's easy. Yeah. So I, I was like, I mean, like in a way, it's like, yeah, of course, Spider-Man. But it's like, oh, interesting. No, no, he's, yeah, he's the most popular. It's probably like him, then maybe Batman, then probably Superman, I would guess. Top three. You think it's because he's so relatable to a younger audience? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's the best. He rules. He's my favorite superhero. Grew up reading his comics. Love him so much. Love, even the movies I don't like, like Amazing Spider-Man movies, uh, I still kind of like them. Like, I can still watch them because it's Spider-Man. Like, he's just... If you get even one aspect of his complex good character right, the movie's worth watching. Yeah. Having said that, as you, the listener, know, Jordan and I went through some trepidation with Marvel, and at this time, we were back on board, but I was just like, another Spider-Man movie? And I just missed it in theaters, and all I heard was that it was a really good movie. And then I saw it when it when it got to Redbox, and I was like, why didn't I see this movie? It's a great movie. Yeah. Um. So... This movie is directed by John Watts. Now, John Watts made a movie called Cop Car starring Kevin Bacon. And he made a movie oh, called... Oh, I know. I, I know that. Yeah. He made a movie called Clown. And uh, this used to be on Netflix, I think. I don't think is it is anymore. Is it a anymore. scary movie? It's a scary movie with like one of those covers. One... Oh, is it the really gross one? Yes. You know, you know those like horror covers that are actually just dis- they're, they're yeah, not yeah. they're not like cool looking they're just gross it's like a weird orc face guy yeah okay yeah so um anyway it's so it's so weird we've talked about this in the doctor strange episode but you know scott derrickson made that movie we have uh john watts coming from a horror background as well even though only one of the movies he made was horror um, and I think, I think there's someone else. I, c- I can't remember him right now. Oh, I can think of as the Shazam guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the Shazam guy. So James, it's not James Wan though. Oh, and then there's James Wan. Oh, uh, he did, um, Aquaman. Yeah. So it's just kind of weird how that keeps happening, I guess. Um, uh, we got produced by the one and only Kevin Feige, Feige and Amy Pascal. So, um, this movie's kind of interesting because, uh, Sony, owns the rights to Spider-Man and they have for years and years and years, but Sony is not affiliated with Disney or Marvel studios. So she is, um, the producer of all these, um, Spider-Man movies as well as Kevin Feige because she has like the rights to Spider-Man. Okay. So she's done, um, homecoming venom Molly's game to cite a few. Um, I don't think she was there in the original runs of Spider-Man or the Amazing Spider-Man. Um, 
Screenplay. You got Jonathan Goldstein, who did Horrible Bosses 1 and 2. Vacation. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. And he is the director of Game Night. Oh, really? Uh Wait, which one? Not the one that was in Bones. Yeah, that guy. That's the guy? Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's John Francis Daly, who also co-wrote this movie. They're like a writing team, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, um, yes, they're together on that. Um, Sweets and Bones, people. (laughs) Look it up. And we got uh, John Watts also did the screenplay. Christopher Ford, who is a writing partner with Watts. And then we have Chris McKenna, uh, who did Ant-Man 2, Lego Batman, and I believe the original Jumanji. Uh, Eric Somers, who is a writing partner with Chris McKenna. So we have three writing partners working on the movie. And we have this... Well, it's one time or another. Yeah. Knowing how it works. Right, right. They probably each did a pass on it. Yeah. Um, And then the story is by Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis uh, Daly, who are the game night guys. What is, sorry, screenplay? The story. Story by. by. Okay, okay. Yeah. And, and, and again, I know we've talked about this a few times, but if, if it's been a while for you, listener, the story by would be they kind of came in, they had like the general outline of the story, the screenplays, like the nitty gritty, the specific dialogue, the specific action and whatnot. So it, they had a hand in both of it, but they still get a story by credit. Hmm. Uh, music. We got Michael Giacchino again. Nice. And he, this is a pretty solid score. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't too crazy. I feel like... The, the the scene that I only really noticed was when he was, like, on the plane. He was on the plane. Oh, yes. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then I think that the score really... I don't know if Giacchino scored it, scored Far From Home, but that's when I feel like the Spider-Man score, like, really comes into its own because he plays off of all these themes. Whoever did that score, but I think it was him plays off the themes and like makes them a little more bombastic and there's that fun score during Mysterio and stuff like that. We're not going to get into that. You know, he did Super 8? Yes. And he did um, a great Rogue Rogue One and um, I love Michael Giacchino. Coco. Yeah. Uh, Then we got cinematography by Salvatore Totino. No way. Yes, Totino. So that's Totino's? No, Totino. Wow. And he did Everest, Concussion, Bird Box, to name a few. Okay. Uh, production companies, Columbia Pictures, Marvel Studios, and Pascal Pictures. Columbia's a part of Sony, so okay. it's still a Sony picture. The movie comes out July 7th, 2017. It has a budget of $175 million. Domestically, it makes $334,201,140. Worldwide, it makes eight hundred eighty million one hundred sixty-six thousand nine hundred and twenty-four dollars. Huge success. People love it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people's favorite Spider-Man. This old Tom Holland mm-hmm. boy, which uh, I think you're going to get to in a moment. But, I already covered him. Oh, we did in Civil War. I didn't even touch his IMDb page. Oh, dang it. Okay, well, I stand corrected. Um. So. This is a little bit weird. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty of Sony and Disney. Okay. So Sony paid for the $175 million budget, um, and that means that Sony keeps all of the profits of Homecoming, and Disney controlled all of the merchandising rights. Okay. Um, But the process was managed by Walt Disney. Does that all make sense? He was dead. The company. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
I was just like, why did you say Walt Disney? Yeah. Is it a different company than Disney? I, that's just what I wrote. I don't know. Oh, okay. I mean, the only reason why it's confusing is because people don't refer to Disney as Walt Disney. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I'm just, I'm just like, what? Did they reanimate <laughs> them finally? Uh, What's the scoop? No, not yet. Not yet. They're waiting for uh, into Phase 4 to have him come in. I don't think in. people really want him back anymore. Yeah. I mean, he would definitely be a canceled figure, I'd imagine. He'd, yeah, he'd be revived and immediately canceled. Yeah. <laughs> um... So there was a big John Hughes influence on the movie, as is apparent, especially with the scene where he's running... Ferris Bueller. Yeah, doing the Bueller thing. Um, and they made... Okay, this is very interesting. So they made a list of things that happened in previous Spider-Man films to avoid oh, cool. having them happen in this cool. movie. So smart. So um, I remember when they announced this movie, the outcry was kind of like, please... Don't do the Uncle Ben thing. Well, it wasn't even that. It was oh. don't do an origin story. Please oh, yeah, 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 don't yeah. do an origin story. Yeah. And um, they don't. They just skip it. And they just kind of reference certain things. But it's very... It, it's the kind of movie... I think it's... St- let me know what you think. But I think you could still jump into this with no knowledge of Spider-Man. But it certainly does kind of base itself a little bit off of like, you already know who this guy is. Like, we don't have to handhold you on that. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, I still think... I still think you could just watch it as like a first Spider-Man movie and you'd be fine. But probably in the same way like um, Spider-Verse, like mm-hmm. you could just watch it and you'd be like, that's cool. But you don't lo- like get all of it unless mm-hmm. you've seen some Spider-Man movies. Definitely. Well, it's like in a way this movie couldn't have been made without the other ones. Right. It would be a different movie. Yeah, it would be totally different. They probably would have done an origin story. Yeah. Um. So they did that, and then Watts really wanted to focus on the lower level of the universe because, you know, at this time, everything's pretty bombastic and huge. So um, I think that's why he really focused on the, the like, neighborhood aspect of Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, and name play... Oh, oh yeah, so the um, part of the reason why they named it Homecoming, besides it happening during Homecoming, is, like, he comes back to the Marvel side so it's like homecoming for him kind of a play on words um and i just remember that the poster was a big laughing stock when it came out and it's like kind of famously a really really poorly designed poster like the original post not the one that was on the dvd we had oh what's the original uh let me pull it up why don't you start pulling up your notes while we okay do this um so i went over tom holland in the last and um civil war Mm -hmm. so i didn't i didn't look at him um, and also I didn't do everyone because this is a movie and I feel like this is kind of where it starts in a way where, you know, every one in this movie down to the extras, down to the people who like don't even really matter. Like everyone is, Oh yeah. It's everyone know Everyone's a fan of one of these care of one of these actors or actresses. Yeah. So I, it was pretty overwhelming to do this one. Well, I kind of feel like all of them have in a way though, too. Anyway, but this one particularly, yeah. I would so say. you have Michael Keaton, which is like, what's the point of even mentioning him in a way? Because it's Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't know that he's Mr. Mom, turn off the podcast now. We don't want you. But turn it back on because we think you would enjoy listening to this. So it was kind of hard to find the right one, but this is this is the one. It's it's really crazy. It has... Show it to me. Well, I got to explain it to the audience. It's got like... They can't see Spider-Man it. in the background, Tony vulture like all the characters and then you see new york in the background and the washington monument and the colors don't like come together so that's the poster ew (laughs) yeah but i had to dig awful 
I had to dig a little bit. I had to scroll because um, they they have a bunch of different posters that are way better. So this, I think this cover is as overwhelming as looking up the cast of this movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But see, if you if you scroll around, there's who's that? Oh, it's happy. There's there's different uh, covers, and that I think I think they they tried to kind of like be like, oh, let's forget I'm into that, this that one. poster. I'm happened. into it. Yeah, the one where he's lounging on the concrete and there's New York in the sweet. background. Yeah. That one's so cool. That looks like a, like a people, it came out after the movie and people have it as a poster. Oh, I, I don't know what it was. This one. Let me see it. Like a comic book cover. Oh, oh, that is cool. Anyway, I'm going to continue. So we have Mr. Mom in this movie, also famously known as Batman from Tim Burton's Batman, the worst Bruce Wayne. Love Michael Keaton, terrible Bruce Wayne. Not a very good Batman either, but no, especially not a good Bruce Wayne. I mean, should we sidebar on this for a second? Because it might be a while until we get to ba- uh, that series of Batman. There's only two. Oh, technically they're all together. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. If if you re, I think if you rewatch the old Batman movies with like a fresh perspective, it is very obvious that he is not the best Batman or the oh, best Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And I, I, this is coming from two Michael Keaton fans. He's, it's just not that good. He doesn't really capture the essence of well, either parts uh, of his character. I know that the movie, you know, it's an eighties movie. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I think in, in Batman movies, at least they should. And I think they did it with the dark Knight stuff. They made it timeless. Um, but this movie is like, it's an 80s movie. Also, why why would you ever think that I would be attractive to Michael Keaton? And because of this movie, <laughs> I asked my mom if she was attracted to Michael Keaton. Uh-huh. And I don't, I think she wasn't, I think she was kind of like, oh. Really? I think, I can't really remember, but I mean, she he's no Tom Cruise and that's my mom's favorite. Yeah. So it's, it, it's just an odd, like, because you know, Bruce Wayne is playboy type. So it's mm-hmm. like, ugh, Michael Keaton? Well, and- Did you look at his hair? And I think I think the scene that like really comes together for me that he's not great at it is um that scene where Joker attacks Vicky Vale and they're upstairs in that penthouse and he's like, You wanna get nuts? You wanna get crazy? Like Batman is saying that. Or as Bruce Wayne and you're I like those. Or oh, that scene. I, I think I'm into that. No, scene. no, I like that yeah. scene, but it's not. It's just not really Bruce Wayne or Batman. No, no, it's, it's Michael Keaton doing a good job at being like at acting. It's, or whatever. it's him being Beetlejuice in a different form, a little kind bit. of. Um, it's it's weird. Um, yeah. So I still like the original Batman movie. It's really great. It's just really bad casting. I just think it's bad casting. Yeah. Um, the movies are fun. Yeah. That it kind of begins and ends there. So biggest reason why the Tim Burton ones are fun is because the it's art like design the and art design. It's like all a set. Yeah. Like that, ta- that town cool. square is like, they built that entire town square and it's so cool. Yeah. And the Joker stuff is, inc- I just love Jack the Nicholson Joker, Joker stuff. Great. Um, do you remember in the movie when he, you know, he, he doesn't have the Joker makeup on mm-hmm. and then something happens and he's like wiping something on his forehead and you see white. And I'm like, is he putting paint on his face like in front of people? And then he was wiping off. He was wearing like makeup over his makeup like white toxic because he skin. fell into the vat of acid. Yeah. So now he's white. Like he has white skin. Pretty cool. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I'll keep. I'll, okay. Sidebar done. Um. And then he's also Beetlejuice. Which mm-hmm. if you haven't seen Beetlejuice, turn off this podcast. Go watch it and come back. Yeah. But maybe you could just finish the podcast too and then watch it. Either way. One of the best Michael Keaton performances. Oh, yeah. Then he's in Birdman, which you won an Oscar for. Mm-hmm. Very great movie. And ironically, it's a movie about a washed 
potentially, you know, Washta Baxter, who's trying to do Broadway and re- redeem his career. And he's known for being this Birdman superhero character. Like, that's all he's known yeah. for. And so then this movie is about just him and his career. And yeah. it, the movie, like, it ends kind of ambiguously, but it kind of ends with him, like, embracing he's Birdman. As if Christian Bale embraced, like, he is Batman. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, ironically... I mean, I don't like not that long after he gets casted in this movie and he's As a bird. Vulture. He's a bird in this movie. I feel like, like people didn't talk about that enough. I know. I know that they, pr- they must have, but I feel like you couldn't talk about it more that he like, wait, did he win the Oscar for this? Did he, I just say that for, he, didn't, he didn't win for Birdman? No. Okay. I don't know. I think the movie was nominated. Yeah. Um, so who did win that year? I feel like it was kind of weird to me that he didn't win, but he, he like, yeah, the whole thing is kind of like a satire on like the modern uh, actor who has been in these blockbuster huge hits and then wants to be like no, he wants to be respected an as eccentric, an eccentric like artist, and then they're like kind of chained to their persona, and then and then like two movies later he does he's the vulture, which great casting. I, I mean, mean, it seems like. He made the right call, made, right? I mean, he's great in the movie. He does a great performance. It's, it's better. So, uh, here, okay, here's here's something. It's better than his Batman's. Oh, Easy. Like, not even a question. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say it's better than Birdman. And I was like, well, hold on a second. Who knows? Birdman, I haven't rewatched watched it in a while. Really good. Um, he's also in Spotlight. Mm-hmm. Really great movie. He's in The Other Guys. Oh, make, making of, a lot of... That's one of his best yeah. performances as well. And then, most recently, I think he was in Dumbo. Yes. Very weird performance, but... Kind of whatever yeah. on that one for me. So then you have Marissa Tomei who plays Aunt May and she's in my cousin Vinny who did win an Academy Award for it. Yeah. Um, she's in a ton of 90s comedies. Very overwhelming IMDb profile. I'm sure. You. I'm sure. Um, she's also in What Women Want, Anger Management, Wild Hogs. <laughs> she's in Wild Hogs? Yeah. She, she's the person that I think William H. Macy ends up with. Okay. So weird. Uh, and then we have Zendaya. Mm. who um i remember when this movie came out a lot of people were saying like did you know zendaya's in it and i'm just like no i didn't (laughs) and they're like she's like a broad she's like broadway like and they got her in the superhero movie i thought she was disney she is disney okay but um oh i think people were saying that too and i always thought that people meant the other girl is who they were talking about oh um, his love interest yeah so the whole time i thought she was the one yeah and then come to find out kind of (laughs) today really kind of yeah that um well i I mean i know zendaya now like yeah i've known since for a while but she's like a she's a disney kid she um is apparently like she did a lot of dancing before she acted and modeling she started as modeling then she got into dancing she's great in this movie yeah she's great she's so good all the supporting characters are fantastic yeah in this movie so she she's a disney kid she's in a, a hit tv show um euphoria on hbo which apparently is incredible mm-hmm. um and i have not watched it um <laughs> don't know why i said that <laughs> and then she's in the greatest showman theater, oh yes singing dancing and then she's in a lot of sitcoms okay cool and then you have jacob Badalon, who is nelson who is Nelson. Peter's best friend? Oh, you mean Ned? Oh, Ned. Why did I say Nelson? I don't know. Maybe he plays Nelson in something else. Um, he is in pretty Wait, much. Uh, sorry, what was his name again? Jacob Battleon. Jacob Battleon. Okay, cool. Um, and he's in pretty much Spider-Man and a few teenage movies. Okay. Soon to be in a production of Don Quixote with Tim Blake Nelson. Cool. 
that he's on, on, the, he's on the he's stage on the, or on no i think it's i think it's like either like a tv movie or a movie it doesn't cool. look like it's a coming to theaters it looks like either straight to on demand oh okay um and he's like on the cover so he's like in the movie oh he's is he sancho panzo i think so oh cool um and then uh, don quixote is such a great story yeah i need to read like the whole thing then you have laura harrier uh who is the love interest oh okay um she's she her, she got her start on a revival of a soap opera mm-hmm. and then she's in black klansman really you remember she's the like the love interest in black klansman of the who? girl the girl with the afro no that's her yeah wait you're saying wait that's her are, wait are you saying the the girl that's the love interest in homecoming no mm-hmm. <laughs> no yeah she is i do believe you but i have to because i remember when we because... saw black klansman i was like that's the girl from spider-man Oh, okay. Keep going. I just have to see this for myself. And this then she's in a few other mind. things. And then we have Tony Revolori, who is um, uh, Flash Thompson. Flash Thompson. Um, he is in Grand Budapest, which I, I'm, a, I'm assuming a lot of people know him from. Mm-hmm. And then he's in Dope. He's in Dope. Oh, okay. And then he is in a few other movies and TV shows. And then we have Martin Starr. Can't neglect Martin Starr, who is Silicon Valley's Guilfoyle. Yes. And... Well, if you reference, you should go back and listen to our episode of, um, of the Incredible Hulk because remember he's yes. in he's in the computer lab. Yes. And so, even though for some reason they specified that those two characters are different, in my head it just means that that teacher went to that school and then he graduated and got a job at the homecoming school. Yeah. And makes more sense. Important to to note, this is a very Martin Starr performance, which is wonderful. But it's oh, important yeah. to note for future things he's in. But um, so he's in he's in Silicon Valley. He's in Freaks and Geeks. That's kind of his oh, his okay. where he got off from. I bet he was a geek. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's in. You know who's also in Freaks and Geeks? Uh, everyone. One of the writers of this movie. Oh, was it Francis or John Francis Daly? The one that's in Bones? Yeah. Yeah. He's in Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, he is. Um Kicking and Screaming, apparently. Martin Starr's in Kicking and yeah, Screaming. Yeah, he he had he didn't have like a name. He had like a guy in coffee shop or okay. something like that. He probably does something like Did you say he, you wanted a no fropo chapo latte? Yeah. Okay. He's also in Super Bad, which is just fr- has further skyrocketed his career because mm-hmm. that movie was a huge hit. And then um, he's just, in, you know, he's, he's now big enough that he, he's like, he makes cameos. He'll play a character, a, a character in one episode of a sitcom, mm-hmm. like a funny comedy okay. central adult swim sitcom yeah. show because it's Martin star. Yeah. Um, so he's great. And then is I was he our first him. person that is, that has been a guest on comedy bang bang. That is also in a Marvel cinematic universe movie. See the first person? Probably not. There's a lot of people that's been on that show. Okay, okay. I'm just saying probably not. And then I was going to mention Donald Glover's in this movie, who's Childish Gambino, who's Troy from Community, more importantly. Um, and then we have Bokeem Woodbine, who is um, the guy that becomes the shocker. He's not the original one, but he becomes the other one. He's the black guy, the bald guy. Oh, because he gives him the shot. I was thinking thing. of the guy who plays Nacho in Better Call Saul, and I was like, "That's not his no, name. No, 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 that's Michael." But something. this guy is in Fargo, the TV show. Oh, wonderful, yeah, yeah. That guy wonderful rules. performance. He's good. And then um, Hannibal Burris is in this movie as oh, yeah. the gym teacher. 
Kenneth Choi, who was in Civil or uh, he was Captain in Fr- America. Yes, and if you listen to our first Avenger episode, Kenneth Choi was in that. Um, he's in uh, Captain America: The First Avenger as one of the platoon, and in Homecoming, his grandson of that character played by Kenneth Choi again is the principal of the school. And if you look, there's a picture of his grandfather who is him in the war in world war two on his um, desk Pretty in the cool. background, which so they is, connect his characters, but, but his not characters. Martin star. I don't yeah. know why they didn't do that, but, and then I'm mentioning Nacho from better call Saul. Yeah. What's Michael his, Mando, Michael Mando. Yeah. That guy is an incredible actor. He's so good. Why isn't he in more stuff at this point? I don't know. Maybe he's, it's because Better Call Saul takes up a lot of time. Um, and then Lo- Logan Marshall Green. Yeah. Who is, some might say, knock off Tom Hardy. We say, no, no, no. No, we he's love Logan, Logan Marshall, Marshall Green. Green. He's his own person who happens to look almost identical to Tom Hardy. But he is in Upgrade, Upgrade which, which is a it, wonderful science fiction movie. Great movie. And if then, you're listening, Mike, which I know you are, and you haven't seen it, it's, it's a yeah. pretty hard R. Don't watch it with your kids, but... Oh, it's good. It's just for violence. If anyone's into a really good psychological thriller that many people probably don't know about, that's on Netflix called The Invitation. He's in it, main character. Such a such a good, just like indie Uh psychological thriller, and he does such a good job in it. And then um, Jennifer Jennifer Connelly's in it. I feel like that's important to know. She's Karen, who is she's the voice in the suit that Spider Man wears. Yeah, that's pretty cool that she's in it. Yeah. Do you think she'll turn into a sentient being like a vision at some point? <laughs> and then they, they get together. Ooh, um, even though he's dead. And then I just wanted to mention, I don't know anything else this guy's in, but he was just such, we call, he was the gem of the movie. Um, Michael Chernus, who was the guy that worked for Michael Keaton. Oh, and yeah, the always, tinkerer. He was just so good. What's his name, the tinkerer on IMDb? Because there is a... Phineas Mason slash the tinkerer. Cool. Yeah. So there is a, yeah, there's a villain called the Tinkerer. Oh, really? Yeah. So it, so does he just make like really like weapons and stuff? Well, I, I've only read about him in like the sixties run when he was like doing stuff with aliens and like creating alien devices and stuff. So I don't know what they have. I mean, that's do. what they're doing in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I, I don't know what they're doing with that character now. Yeah. Um, and, and so one thing, uh, before we jump, I'm assuming we're jumping into the plot here in a yeah. second. Yeah. One thing I want to point out is I have read um, about half of all the Amazing Spider-Man comic books, so a little over 300 of them. So I will kind of provide a little bit of like the adaption essence to this. To, like, like this is this is the first character that I knew more about before I saw the movie um, in the in the Marvel universe and. Uh, I know that there are obviously different versions of Spider-Man, so there might be something where I say like, "Oh, I really like how they changed this character to this," um, and I just that's just because I haven't. I've only read the Amazing Spider-Man run, and there might be other runs where maybe that character is that way. But I'm just going to assume that they're adapting from Amazing Spider-Man, even though I'm sure they used a lot of others for yeah. sake of the conversation. Um, so the first thing I want to say, fun adaption stuff, and as a Spider-Man fan. They include so many of his villains in this movie, but through like a very thorough, um, a thorough way that is just like world building and stuff that you could pick up on later, but you don't have to. Okay. So like they include Shocker. Yeah. Really cool. They got Vulture. They got the Tinkerer working with Vulture. Really cool. They have um, Jeff Davis, who's the Prowler. 
um, which yes, is which Donald is Glover. Donald Glover, which I assume they won't do anything with him, even though they were probably hoping to. Now that Spider Verse came out and the Prowler was like the coolest villain ever in that, and he had that cool theme song. With, yeah, ugh, love Spider Verse, but um, so that's one thing I really like about this movie is how they kind of like pick and chose and like brought in villains working together, but they didn't do. They didn't do like the Spider-Man 3 problem where like they made the villain a huge part of the story where Spider-Man had to like defeat him and defeat him. Because in Spider-Man 3, you know, you have Sandman, Venom, and another Green Goblin. And there's too many villains. But was James Franco the other Green Goblin? Yeah. But this one has that good balance where it's like, no, they're just in the world. They could be used later, but they don't try to make them like bigger than the Vulture. It's like the Vulture's the threat in this movie. Well, because one of the big... Which is kind of a, a superhero trope movie thing, which mm-hmm. is always works, is like Peter's also a villain to himself. Yes. You know, in a yes. way, because he's learning things, not listening, because like that's half of the movie. Yeah. Which always works. It's always great because it's character development. Well, and, and that's the whole that's the whole rub with Spider-Man. It's why I love him and why I think most people love him is he's always torn between living a normal life and having the responsibility to live the life of this gift that he's been given or curse that he's been given. If you look at it that way. And so, um, I, I like, I like how in this movie they kind of take the angle of like, he does want to do more, but Tony's holding him back. Um, in, in a, in a way, in a parental way. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that more as we go along. I, I, as you can tell listener, I am a fan of this movie. This is the third time watching it. And I will say, the first time we watched it, I was like, really good. Second time, I mellowed on it a little bit. And this time, I was like, this is the best watch I've had of this movie. I liked it the most this time. Hmm. Um, oh, and speaking to the villain thing one more time. Um, a- another reason I think using multiple villains in this movie works is, again, unlike Spider-Man 3, even though I don't think that movie is as bad as everyone says it is, uh, they chose like three of his most famous, most interesting, coolest villains and in this movie, like like Shocker is really cool, but he's not like he's not like the Spider Man villain. He's not like but he's he, not the Joker. He yeah, and he is like a really cool villain, but he's usually like robbing a bank or something like that. So like to use him as kind of a henchman, it's not uh, offensive as a fan. And same with Tinkerer, and then Prowler, they don't really get into his villainous part of him, so it, that was fine too. He's just existing in that world. Anyway, so the movie starts. It's right after the Battle of Los Angeles that we saw in Avengers. And um, Michael Keaton is there, and he's in a cleanup crew, and he's gathering um, stuff. Like, they're basically hired to clean up the city. They have a city contract. And then S.H.I.E.L.D. comes in, and they're like, sorry, we're taking all of this stuff. And that's a problem, because Michael Keaton has has, um, invested a lot of money into this cleanup because they will be getting paid a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So this means that he is just simply in debt now out of a job. Yeah. He's screwed. Mm-hmm. And, and the, what's another great thing about this movie, it deals with these themes of, of like, this is the mess that the heroes and villains made. And we are punished because we have the mess. And now we're punished because we can't clean it up. Now, mm-hmm. Tony made this mess and he's going to take care of it. So, um, that's cool. <laughs> I, I like his all right off the bat. You're like, this is a great well, motive just, for it's a character. The little guy. 
Yeah, it's, and, it's and, a and, story about the little guy. And and that goes back to John Watts wanting the story to be about like the smaller side mm-hmm. of the universe. And I I think up to this point we hadn't explored this part of the the big universe because it's always the big stuff. Yeah, and and bringing it down. Um, so he does that, and then basically they start stealing um alien material and they can create well, they were, weapons they were with left it. with one too like or, like yeah. the the catalyst everything is they they like found out that they had accidentally kept one mm-hmm. so then they they're like he's like let's just keep this one yeah. and they they start experimenting on it creating more weapons and then because of that you know they've created weapons or used devices that have allowed them to continue to steal mm-hmm. these weapons because now they're like black market weapon selling yeah and um, as far as the vulture is concerned, so again, classically, he's like he's like a jewel thief kind of guy. Oh, okay. And um, he's got this cool wingsuit, and that's kind of I don't know if "cool's" the right word for the comic book. It's kind of cool in a comic he book. Looks it's like a cool. Leaf. It looks it's, like a giant leaf. It's cool. So he's he does that, and um, I just really I remember when they announced it was Vulture, I was kind of like, of course I like comic books of Vulture, but how is that going to translate on screen? And I think, and then you remember movies are adaptations, yeah, of of comic books. So it's like, well, they, I'm, yeah, I'm complimenting the adaptation yeah. like on every yeah, front on this. Yeah. This is like an example of really good, like knowing when to make changes. Because I think if he was just a jewel thief, I guess there is something there. But you, it's it's cool because this like this does build the bigger Marvel universe, and it also like builds our character, and it's a really cool motive. And it has this whole commentary on like the little guy versus the big guy. So there's like a lot to explore there. Well, it's like the, the, like his Michael Keaton's big monologue, like at, at the climax of the movie, is just like, cause Tom Holland is like, this is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. Like you're hurting people. Mm-hmm. Um, and Michael Keaton's like, well, what was Tony Stark, what was Stark Industries doing? What's it been doing this whole time? Like they were selling, selling weapons, selling weapons and hurting people. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm not, he's not any different than me or any better just because he gets to put on a suit and like be a superhero. Yeah. So he's like, I'm also putting on a suit and like working for my family, like working hard for my family. Yeah, and I'm sure in his mind too, he's not stealing from, he's not like stealing from a bank. He's not stealing from his neighbor. He's stealing from someone who you can, you could justify as stole from him. Mm-hmm. And so. And I'm it, sure that's how he justifies it in his head. And that makes for a good villain. Yeah. Um, so then we cut to eight years later and they're working on all the new gear. We, we kind of discussed that. Um, and then we cut to Parker, Peter Parker, and he's using his um, phone and he's doing all this footage and it shows him going to Berlin and it's kind of filling in the gap of before and right after the battle in the airport of civil war. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all uh, through, funny through stuff. The, through the eyes of a 15 year old. Yeah. Cause he's, he's screaming, out of uh, in excitement, yeah. like gasping, like this is the coolest thing that's ever happened. Um, he's given a, a new suit, like yeah. an actual suit from yeah. Tony. Um, that's a funny moment when he's wearing his like homemade suit and then Happy walks in and he goes, why aren't you wearing the suit we gave and you? He opens that door and he's like, it's in here. And he's like, I just thought that was a, oh, I have a whole other room. I thought it was a closet. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that, so then he, there's some footage of the battle a little bit of Ant-Man getting big mm-hmm. and, and then there's like his commentary after the battle, he's back in the hotel room and he's just screaming because he's so excited about what happened yeah. to the point where happy has to come in and tell him that like the walls are thin, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's great. And then, and then he goes back home. Yeah. Goes back home. He's at high school. 
he gets almost run over by uh, Flash Thompson, and he calls him a uh, well, Tony, penis well, Parker. When he yeah, yeah, which is hilarious. But so he goes back home, and Tony's explaining to him what his role is. Like, oh yeah, we're gonna give you a call when we whenever yeah, we need so you. Yeah. He, so he's like, so I'm Avenger, and he's like, no, but we'll call you. Yeah. Like if so, if and when. I want to throw something at you. I I like Iron Man, of course. Yeah. I like Tony Stark. Love Robert Downey Jr. All that in the series. This movie, and maybe I I just want to explore this. I I think, and this is not in a bad way. Like it, it, I like what they did, but this movie, I think more than any of the other ones, I don't really like Tony Stark in this movie. Oh really? Like he he makes me kind of mad. In what way? In in just the way that it's like how what like what gives you the right to tell this kid when and if he can like help. That's a good point. And then I and then when that- he does it, like. I know later in the movie when they attack the submarine, he he's like, see, I had it under control. The FBI was there. But it's like the FBI wasn't going to be able to stop those but guys. But if you think about it this way, like think about it through Tony Stark's eyes. It's like he doesn't really have, he doesn't have a responsibility. Yeah. But he puts it upon himself as a father, as yeah. a responsibility to this kid who has no father. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like, I think it's conscious too in his mind. He's like, I can parent this kid. Yeah, I, I can do better than how my dad did, which is what he says. Yeah, so it's like I he, think it's he, really good writing. No, but it's I, true to his that's character. That's why I think that I have. I'm fine with it. Like yeah. I'm totally fine with that. I don't get mad about. It. I mean, only, I only get frustrated because Peter gets frustrated. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like he can't. He does have potential, but Tony sees it and he's like, Tony knows also who Tony is. Yeah. So it's like. I don't want that kid to get so much power that he's going to lose. Like he's going to, his ego is going to go through the roof and what happened be happened to him. He's too young. Yeah. So it's almost like, I mean, it's like anything when you're a kid, it's like you get your license and you just think you can drive anywhere, like go on a trip, but you're still 16. Yeah. And your parents like, you can't just go anywhere. Still, it doesn't give you freedom to do anything you want. It's a good point. So it's, it's, it is exactly the spider-man thing with great power comes great responsibility it's as if iron let's as if tony is accepting that responsibility for peter at the moment Mm -hmm. and i think again i want to reiterate like i i think it's really good and i like what they did but just it it frustrates me when i watch the movie all all three times it's like tony like you got to like believe in this kid and i i think part of it is because he like had him do a task that should have got him killed and so I'm like, how come he's, how come he's okay signing away Peter's life in Berlin to Captain America? Who we, he, you know, he says in the movie, he's like, oh, if Cap wanted you killed, he would have killed you. But Cap was like not doing okay at that time. Like none of those guys on that team, like if you were in Tony's, I mean, it was a civil war. <laughs> it was a civil war. Like they could have died. And so he's like, yeah, you're. It's okay if you're helping me and myself. And if, this is good writing for Tony because that's who Tony is. It's like, yes, it's okay if you're helping me and helping my image. But as soon as you want to do your own thing and help on your time, I can't control you anymore. Therefore, I don't want you to do it. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I'm sure that's part of it. And then by the end of the movie, he tries to save face, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's like, I want you to be an Avenger. Like, this was all a test and stuff like that. Well, I think he also, because he is 15, he wants him to understand why he would want to be a superhero. Yeah. Because that big moment that they have where he's taking the suit back. And Peter's like, no, but I need it. And he's like, well, if you need it, you don't need it. You know? Yeah. He says that to him, which is yeah, absolutely like- true. Because I like if you watch the Iron Man movies again, same thing happens in Iron Man mm-hmm. 2. He he loses the suit for yeah. most of the movie. Right, he, Iron Man 3, I think. 
Oh yeah, Iron Man three, yeah. and the whole most of the movie is him learning that he he's he doesn't need the suit to be like, Iron like Man. He's the ma- the man is what makes the suit, not the suit that makes him exactly. So yeah. because of his character arc, he's able to parent yeah. Peter with his character arc, and he knows from experience that when this kid tells him that he needs it, he knows that he doesn't. Yeah. So it's. I don't know. I think it's just so, such great writing. I understand the frustration. I understand. Yeah. That. And I think that that's, you should be frustrated. Yeah. That's good. That means that the movie is doing its job. Yeah. Yeah. It's n- in no way a negative thing. Yeah. But, and again, another layer, we got the little man versus the big man themes in this movie. And then the whole movie is about parenting mm-hmm. because, um, then if you go to the vulture and his relationship with his daughter and his family, it's like a different side of the coin of parenting. Um, so the whole movie is about parenting. Pretty cool. Like when you can find those deeper themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to the plot. We meet Ned, who is just great. I love this kid. He's so funny. And like every line is like a, a, a 10 out of 10 hilarious. Yeah. Um, and then there's the friendly neighborhood. Oh, you know what I like what they do about this movie? Uh-huh. Um, so like Peter is like a nerd. He gets made fun of by Flash. Sure. Yeah. At the party, everyone's kind of making fun of him. Sure. Uh-huh. But it's not your typical, he's a nerd and everyone hates him. Like yeah. everyone, it's it's such like, it is very, um, it's a very updated version of high school and updated meaning it is two days high school. Yeah, because like being the sports guy isn't like the cool thing anymore. No, it's, like Flash it's cool isn't even to, a jock. It's he's like, on the same he's on the same debate team that yeah. Peter is. So I, I and think classically that, he's he's a football like squad yeah. leader. So guy. that's super smart that they casted him and mm-hmm. that's how they wrote his character. And like he he's not like really like Peter's not really a loser. He's not su- he's not very much no. portrayed that way when usually that's like He's a loser. He's really weak, yeah. which I think that if they had done an origin story, they probably would have played on them more. Cause I remember the the Tobey Maguire ones, yeah. like the beginnings really much like that. Like yeah. he is a loser, a wimp small. Uh-huh. And then he becomes the bit like, I mean, Spider-Man. Yeah. So like, I just, I just really appreciate that they didn't, they could have wasted so much time on that and it would have been so redundant and so boring, but it's just like, it's high school. Everyone's weird because their bodies are changing (laughs) and they play on stuff like that. And like everyone can kind of have a conversation with anyone. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I I appreciate that in this movie. Oh, me too. And, and, and um, it just, it it plays on it. It makes the second movie funnier. Oh yeah. Because of the, the world that they've created for it. Love, love far from home. Far From Home takes everything I love about Homecoming and makes it even more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. Then we get to the uh, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man montage where he's going around. And this is maybe the best scene in the movie. Well, second best scene in the movie to me because it's just showing like it's just such a good reflection of the idea behind Spider-Man. And it, and it shows so much about not not necess- not just the character of Peter Parker, but like the very nature of Spider-Man and what Spider-Man does, and like how he does have to deal with like lower lower tier crime, I guess you could say. And he like he finds a. I love how he he finds a bike. Like he sees someone steal a bike, he gets the bike, and then he can't find the owner, so he just webs it up and says like, "Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man." Mm-hmm. And then. Well, he doesn't say that, but he, you know, he says yeah. something like that. And then he sees someone who looks like they're breaking into the car and he shoots a web and they're stuck and it, they were and getting their into car. their own car. Yeah. And then Stanley pokes his head out and starts talking to this lady That's a across good cameo. the street. Great cameo. Yeah. Um, all that stuff. Love, love, love. 
Um, then he goes to a bank where these people are fighting, or they're st- they're robbing this bank, and he tries to stop them, and they have a supercharged weapon. Oh, the weapon. ATM. Yeah, the ATM. Um, yeah, and also, meanwhile, the whole time, this, like, montage, um, he is, like, contacting Happy. Yeah. Because he's trying, he used to be like, Happy, yes. I've been, I've been, like, working a lot. I've been, you know, he's training, like, I've been doing a lot of fighting crime. find uh, where the grocery store was. Yeah, yeah, stuff like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So like that the whole time that's going on too, because it's like he's mm-hmm. he is motivated by like doing you know he's a superhero. He's using his powers to help people. That's like part of his motivation. But his motivation is also to prove to Happy and Tony that he's working. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. And so then he goes he goes to an ATM and discovers that people wearing these guys wearing Avengers masks are robbing an ATM with the weapon thing. Yeah, which we'll find out is made by Vulture later. Yeah. So what it does is it sends off a super, supercharged blast that blows up the sandwich shop across the street that um, Peter goes to like every day. So he he intimately knows these people. Yeah. So now and he's it, got some skin in the game. Well, also it's kind of his fault. Yeah. In a way, you yeah. know, because because publicity wise, everyone it, even more doesn't is not a fan of Spider Man. Like in a mm. way, you know, it, it puts like a black mark on his reputation uh-huh. um so that's pretty bad yeah and then uh he crawls into his um room and ned is sitting there and he finds out right off the bat in a spider-man movie which spider-man to me it's like you can't ever give his his identity away that's like one of the main things about well, spider-man I think that, is he the only character or oh, the only avenger that his identity is hidden uh, ant-man probably you would say the same thing no yeah, one knows ant-man's identity. ant-man's identity but like is everyone knows who tony stark is i feel like everyone knows who steve rogers is oh yeah um black widow yes, i think she went on the stand at the supreme that's court right, in that's Iron right. Man too um so her um bruce banner bruce, i don't think people know i think they just know the so? hulk I, th- I think it's just the hulk that's out there okay um guardians doesn't really count they're not from this galaxy yeah yeah <laughs> um but i think i think that's interesting because like the big thing about spider-man is keeping his identity secret so ned finds out that he is spider-man and he he asks if he can be the the guy in the chair like the computer hacker in the chair the oracle yeah and then go to school the next day and really great piece of world building Fills out the world, love it, love it, love it, is when they're sitting in the gym class and they're watching a video of Captain America talking about, like, gym class. And uh, it's with Hannibal Burris, and he says something like, this guy's, I guess he's, like, a criminal or something now, but whatever, just watch the video, which is a nice throwaway. Oh, also earlier in the movie... um, Oh, because of Civil War. Yeah. Oh. Pretty cool. Earlier in the movie, the camera's, like, panning by a classroom, and you can hear um, a teacher say like so the sokovia accords basically mean that like oh, oh. and he's talking about the sokovia another accords in civil war which is pretty cool leading up to this part is another montage of ned just asking peter questions about his abilities yeah, which oh, is yeah. just like another it's just like cool we've got all that expository information out and yeah. it's funny yeah 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 that's a good way to d- dump that information but in a in a character driven way um then they go to Liz's party because Ned tells everyone that Peter knows Spider-Man because of his Stark internship. Um, and while they're out there, Peter is 
uh, Ned wears a hat to the party. It's like an Indiana Jones hat. That's and he says funny. it gives him confidence. <laughs> yeah. And then at some point during the party, he calls Peter. And he's like, Peter, the hat's not working. <laughs> <laughs> and so they go there, and and Liz is like the girl for, for Spider-Man. Like, he wants to be with this girl. And the parents are out of town, which is important for later. And um, so the... Then, then when he's dressed, because he's going to make an appearance as Spider-Man at the party, so he's putting on his costume, and then he sees this explosion far off, and he goes to investigate, and he discovers Donald Glover trying to buy weapons from the shocker. the two guys that are Shocker in the movie, mm. and as he does it, a, a chase ensues. Uh, John Hughes reference to Ferris Bueller's running through the, um, getting to the end of his getting to his house in Ferris Bueller. And they even show a footage of people watching Ferris Bueller. Um, and then, oh yeah. So he gets like, oh yeah. Vulture shows up. That's right. Vulture shows up at the end and he like brings him up really high into the air and Vulture. I like Vulture's costume. We should talk about that for a second because we have talked many times on this podcast about the series, how there are certain characters like Scarlet Witch who were like, why can't they just commit to a cool costume instead of a duster? Or why can't they make shirt? it more practical, like in Thor Ragnarok? Yeah, or yeah. That move, that costume actually might be too practical. That might, yeah, be, yeah. And it's not practical, but it's too tactile for the world that they're in. Yeah, but this, this one's one, great since it's like a a lower tier guy. Um, He's a little guy, or like a little guy. Yeah, like him just wearing this like really practical suit. I think is cool, and his eyes are really cool because they're just beet green. And, um, you know, like beets. Beets are green. Yeah, I don't think beet green is a term. I think <laughs> no. it's just beet red. I was thinking beady eyes, I think. Oh. Um, They're but, two green dots, like night vision. Yeah, and he he is... Because um, in the comics, he has, like, feathers all over him. And it, I just think it would have looked kind of dumb. Even though I want them to be a little more bombastic, I think that would have been too much. Yeah, I think this it's, it's uh, practical. It is um, tactile. Like, as it should be. Like, you can mm-hmm. look at it and you're like, I kind of understand how it works. It's crazy, yeah. but I understand. And then he just wears, like, a, a pilot. Like, like a, it might, may, reminds me of, like, a... Like a bomber jacket. 1930s... Like, yeah, like a bomber jacket with the fur, which vultures have that. Those feathers yeah, yeah, around yeah. their necks. So, that's, like, that really is icing on the cake to me. Uh-huh. But what's cool is, like, it's technically a suit, but all it really is is him putting his arms in something and a helmet on. Yeah. Because when he when he lands, he just gets out of it. Yeah. It's not well, like and he's, he's still got wearing like uh, grappling feet as well. That too, but that's just he just. It's not like an actual suit suit thing, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, um, but basically, you know, him and Spider Man get in a fight, and then um, Iron Man has to come save him because the suit that he's wearing like alerts him to, that he's in danger. And when he's there, um, he's like Spider Man. And we already kind of discussed all the parenting stuff in this movie and what he deals, but he's like, you can't do this. And Spider-Man sees that he didn't even show up. It's just an Iron Man, an empty Iron Man suit. And and the whole, for a lot of the movie, Tony Stark's just in India, like at a wedding or something. I which think this is, is the only time they show that. Kind of a funny bit. I don't know why, and they don't explain it. But it's kind of just funny that he's just out in India, like for no reason, mm-hmm. and they don't explain it. Anyway, um... And then when they, when Shocker and Vulture all meet back at their base, Vulture's like, you are being crazy with this stuff. And he just kills Logan Green, Logan Marshall Green, on accident because he thought it was a different type of gun. But he does kill him. And then the guy from Fargo that we discussed earlier in the podcast 
Becomes Shocker. He becomes Shocker. And then Peter finds a little part that fit like came off of one of the out of the van or something yes that's right that's that he right. he gets um and it has one of those purple purple alien s- thing stones. energy things in it yeah. so um ned calls him at the same time and ned's like you shouldn't come back to the party because everyone because flash is like everyone with me penis parker parker <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so th- there's n- that's end scene yeah and then um Basically, Peter goes to the de- with his decathlon team as he was not planning on going on before, but now he's going to because he he hasn't lost no no not yet. So um, he goes to Washington D.C. and and he's following this truck because they figure out how to track the stone that he has to find the the stuff. Hijinks ensue. He gets trapped in this truck, and then we get this whole montage where he's locked in a shop and he gets to like test out a lot of his Spider-Man gear. And um, but he's at shield, isn't he? Um, or he's like at a storage facility for shield or something. Yes. Yeah. But he's like locked in this warehouse. And so he's, um, he's doing his thing. He's, uh, help me. Well, he's, he's like you said, he's learning everything about the suit. He discovers Karen. Well, no, that's not the first time he discovers her. Or is it? I think it is. So um, he has a robot in the suit. He takes off the training wheels. Oh, no, no. Ned takes off the training oh, wheels. Oh, yeah. So I guess they find that so out that, earlier. So that's when he starts using it. Um, meanwhile, I think that's the same time. Yeah, he's there for so long that the decathlon happens and his team wins. Mm-hmm. So he, I don't even remember how he gets out of there. I think he's just out at some point. He just finds a way out. It's inferred. He, he like scientifically breaks out okay. basically. So he hacks out by the time he gets out. Decathlon's done. His team won. No thanks to him. Everyone's like, where is Peter? Mm-hmm. Um, they all go to the Washington monument as like a tour. Yeah. Um, so most of his team are going up the elevator in the Washington Monument, and Ned has in his backpack the the energy purple crystal thing, and that some for some reason I don't remember why it sets off a An reaction. Explosion, yeah. So yeah, so the ele- like the elevator shaft like breaks that they're in, and if anyone's seen the Washington Monument, it's pretty effing high. So <laughs> <laughs> so Peter gets there, you know, just in time as it happens. And uh-huh. he's like, I got to save them. And um, he's trying to get in. Um, he can't really figure out how besides like get, trying to break through this like bulletproof window. Um, at the same time, the police come in helicopters. And because he's a vigilante, they're like, we will shoot you if you do not stop. Yeah. Because they're, you know, it's like he's going to make it worse. By the way, the scene is shot pretty nicely. I, agree. I mean, it's pretty like it gives you that feeling like you're on the top of a cliff and you're like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little cla- so, not claustrophobic, but it's. It's tense. Yeah. So Peter makes it inside without getting shot. Thanks, police. Um, and, <laughs> and he he gets in time. He gets inside just in time as like the elevator is about to go down, like yeah. like hundreds of hundreds of feet. Yeah. Um, should mention that the tour guide is Martha from Baskets. Uh huh. Wonderful tiny little gem in the yeah. movie. Yeah. Um. So he saves them. Just cut to that. He saves everyone. Yeah. And then he leaves. Um. Mm-hmm. They do a funny, funny joke in reference to the other Spider-Man movies where he's hanging upside down and Liz is looking at him and Karen, the voice, is like, this is your moment, Peter. Kiss her. Yeah. Which is like obviously not the moment. Yeah. But it's just, it and then he funny. falls down the shaft. Yeah. Um, so then they go back home. You know, it was this huge thing that happened. Everyone's so scared. Aunt May, see, you know, is like, I'm so glad you're okay. You're safe. Mm-hmm. And then I think... 
Oh no. Okay. So yeah. So then everything's fine. Peter, if, if anything has just learned more Intel about the bad guys and then learns that they're going to be on the Staten Island ferry mm-hmm. and he, that's right. They're back at school and Ned's like, okay, let's go to class. And Peter's like, I can't, I can't go to class anymore. Yeah. Like he's like high schools. I'm, I'm like beyond high school now. Yeah. Um, which he's not like, I mean, a lot of that's because of Tony won't let yeah. him, but yeah. it's like, he's not like, so he tries leaving. He gets detention instead. Uh-huh. And then he just straight up leaves detention. And I think that's when he goes to Staten Island. Yeah. The ferry. Mm-hmm. Cause there's bad guys on the ship. There's a weapons, like a huge weapons deal that's about to go down. And that's when we see Nacho or yeah. the scorpion guy. Um, and so he, you know, is covertly trying to figure out how to get there. And then he just kind of like breaks up the party and then chaos happens. One of the big bad weapons goes off and splits the entire ferry in half, which mm-hmm. means now that now not only is he trying to not get killed by these bad guys, the ferry is uh, collapsing in on itself. And you have to have the signature Spider-Man holding two webs, holding something together yeah. or pulling it apart. Just like in Spider-Man one, when he's holding the cart and Mary Jane, or in uh, Spider-Man 2 when he's holding back the, ch- the subway or the, tr- yeah, the subway. I don't remember Spider-Man 3 or the other two amazing Spider-Mans, but it feels like, that's just like a trope. Yeah, you got to do it. Yeah. Um, this, I feel like, is the moment when it's like, oh, Peter is doing the wrong thing. I just don't feel that way. See, for this one especially, it's like, cause, because when, you know, this deal's going down, like right before S hits the fan, uh, these guys break out of the store and they're like, FBI, stop. So it's like the FBI. And I know you mentioned something about this earlier, but like the FBI were already tailing these people and they were already taking care yeah, of it. Well, Which I to guess, me is like, yeah. you know, Tony's like, keep your nose out of basically the big things. Yeah. Just be the neighborhood guy. Like help yeah. the pickpocketers and the cat nabbers or yeah. whatever. Um, so the cat nabbers. I, what's yeah. the word for that? Cat like, burglars. Cat burglars. Um, <laughs> I thought you meant people who steal cats. No, That's I what meant I, a cat burglar. Like, very specific. But, um, and it's, it's that, to me, that's when it's like, oh, like, I mean, it's Tony. He has to, he has to know, like, like the FBI is here doing this thing. He probably knows where the CIA is right now doing this thing. And then S.H.I.E.L.D. he knows is here doing this thing. So it's like. It's just also that classic thing where, where if you know that this kid is doing this stuff, why don't you tell him. Hey, yes, I have the FBI trailing these people yes. because the whole movie. See, if I was Spider Man, the whole movie he's going happy. I gotta tell you, there's this guy. He's got weapons. He could be dangerous. And Happy's like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. Don't tell me about it. And Iron Man is the same way. He's like, I don't care. Don't tell me about it. And and if you know anything about Iron Man, you know he's a pretentious jerk. So you know, like, okay, if he doesn't care about it, like he probably means that. So to assume that he would take action. I think would be to assume more out of Tony than usually you can assume. Assume what? That he doesn't care? No, no. If if you assumed that he is like taking care of the situation without him explicitly saying it, then it's like, well, he usually doesn't. Usually when he takes yeah. care of a situation, uh, he creates a robot that tries can, to destroy the earth. You so. can also think about it this way, which I don't really buy, but like a lot of the times different branches of government, like law enforcement, like, don't know what the other types of law that's enforcement true. are doing. That's like, true. Like that's a good point. Local law enforcement here doesn't know what the FBI in Oregon's doing. Yeah. To a to a really deep degree, mm-hmm. surface level probably. So when the FBI comes out on this ferry, I mean, you could maybe argue like 
why would Tony know what the FBI is doing? He's not the FBI. But at the same time, it's well, like... Well, he said he called it in. That's the thing. Yeah. At the same time, it's like, but it's Tony. He's basically the president of the United States. Yeah. He knows what's going on. Yeah. So, yeah. So like, Again, I like the conflict, but it's just it's just that thing where it's like, I guess I guess we've also just seen how like basically the entire universe, b- besides a few specific movies, like a lot of the big problems are because of Tony. So it's like, so you're gonna tell this kid not to try and stop crime when you sold weapons when you, which is again why I think it's so good, like Tony. But he sold weapons. He did, I don't know. It's just one of those things. The whole like, movie, I'm like never on Iron Man's side. I think on that- this movie. For this moment, I really feel like, oh man, Peter really screwed this up. And, and I only think, feel that way because he, you know, I think that, you know, like he's a big part of why that weapon went off, split the ferry in half, and now hundreds of people are about to die. And, yeah. you, and you think like, would that happen if he wasn't there? I mean, there were already weapons on the ship. It's kind of that, is it the Murphy's Law? Like, well, and if see- something will happen, it will happen. Is that the thing? Uh, well, I think it's if anything can happen, it will. Or that, something that's like that. I think that's kind of the whole argument. Well, and and if you think like if Spider Man couldn't stop these guys, do you think the FBI could have that's stopped these guys? That's another thing to think of too. The whole everyone would have been murdered. Yeah. So you're so you're like okay maybe it's, it's just it's like also like Schrodinger's cat like uh-huh. if he didn't yeah. do anything, probably would have been fine. But if he did do something, probably would have been fine. It's just, so, it's, it's funny too, because yeah. it's like, okay, if a fight broke out right in front of our apartment here, and like I went outside and I tried to stop the fight, but in the meantime, someone pulled a gun and shot someone because the fight had escalated, I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. I was trying, I was trying to do something good. Yeah. It just turned out worse than if I hadn't, but there's no, it's better to do the good thing than that, not do anything at all. Yeah. So... Anyway. Thank you for listening to our ethical debate today. <laughs> and it's in theme with this movie because it's a debate team. Oh, wow. Nice poll. But um, this is after this moment is when Tony takes away Peter's suit. Yeah. And, and he loses the quote unquote internship. Mm-hmm. And, and now we can just skip way ahead because we discussed all of that. People are uh, like tired of hearing about this parent thing. Well, watch out, people, because Peter gets detention for like the rest of the year, which is one thing. But then he finally asks Liz to homecoming, to which she says yes. To which uh, Peter picks up, picks her up at her her house where her parents are. And who is it but Bruce Wayne himself, Adrian Toomes, aka the Vulture? Adrian Toomes. That's his name. Adrian Toomes is the Vulture. Oh, um, he doesn't look like an Adrian. Well, maybe you should grow up because this is big boy talk about Spider-Man. <laughs> um, and then we have the great scene where they're driving to home, the homecoming dance. Peter is just like deer in the headlights the whole time because he knows yeah. who he is. And, and Tom Holland's acting in these two scenes. Amazing. And you know what's great? Um, and Michael and Keaton the- is just chewing. He is chewing the scenery I don't know about and the- he's going big. And I don't I know love about the it. car part, but I know when he was in their house, no music. No, not even there's music in the car. Okay, but not even a lick of music. And he's chopping vegetables. He's got a big chef knife, which is all that's like what you do. If you want someone to be to be like scary, give them a knife and make them cook. It's always scary. Just throw it around like with their hands. Willy nilly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, So then he's he's asking Peter questions in the car. And uh, he surmises that he's 
Spider-Man. Yes. So he, he, after his daughter leaves the car, he takes out a gun and he, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Sorry. Sorry. Before that, they stop at a stop sign yes. and Michael Keaton's face is red and the yes. whole car is kind of a red hue cause it's dark and he's kind of leaning over and he's, he's, that's like classic comic book stuff. Yeah. And he's kind of threatening Peter, but, but through, um, words that aren't threatening, you know, like, Oh, not this, but like, Oh, what would happen if, you were to fall off this cliff in front of us right now. That's sort yeah. of a that's sort of a threat. And then the light turns green and he's all green and he's the vulture who's green and And red for Spider Man originally or previously. Oh yeah, cool. Um it's just so cool. Best scene in the movie. And it's it's really intense. I mean it's really intense because you're like, I really don't know what's about to yeah. happen. So then when his daughter does get out of the car and um, like, Peter, wait up a second. Yeah. I gotta give him the dad talk. <laughs> right. And he takes out a gun um and he tells basically tells peter like we don't we don't want my daughter to find out anything right like this is just this is just between you and me and like and like i said i mean you walk out of this car and you don't do anything about it mm-hmm. i mean you said you saved my life because he, he originally did something that saved him you know so he, he's like and I, i'm a good no, man he saved his daughter his at daughter, the Washington that's right Monument. He's, so he's like he's like i'm a good man i honor that so yeah. if you get out of this car and you just turn walk the other away. way i'll forget that you were even here yeah and it's like yeah good bad guy thing and it's a classic spider-man giving him the choice between now he can go to the homecoming dance he can do something normal he can be a kid kid. he can even do what tony asked him to do and stay out of it but he's spider-man and he has the responsibility so he he ditches his prom date he, he ditches his prom date ned goes into the computer room and is the man at the computer he stops Shocker pretty pretty quickly because yeah. they just haven't made him much of a threat. They just yeah. make him a kind of threat, which they I'm basically fine with. put that scene in there to eliminate him as a threat. Mm-hmm. And then um, he he we find out that that Vulture's doing one final um, uh, steal uh, steal or loot because heist um, heist on a because on a shield helicopter or throughout, shield throughout plane. this movie. Um, shield is or the avengers headquarters is moving from new york city to upstate which means they're moving everything out of that stark building which means they're putting everything into this helicarrier is that what it's called uh, it's well it's a plane actually into this giant car uh cargo plane yeah um and it, it's just i just really like how because the, the whole like throughout the movie it's like he's talking whenever he gets a chance to talk to happy happy's like i don't have time we're moving yeah, yeah. And then it's just like, that actually does go somewhere. It has a payoff, yeah. Because that's the exact stuff that Michael Keaton's going to steal. Yeah. So that, that, yeah, continue. And um, and then Spider-Man goes to the lair of Vulture, and he's like, you got to stop. Vulture traps him under a bunch of rubble, and they reference a really famous Spider-Man panel where he's trapped under rubble. I think it's called Spidey No More or Spider-Man No More. It's in the first, like, 50 issues. Oh. It's, like, one of the all-time classics. Oh. Where he where he's like thinking about his life and he's like I'm gonna die and like Aunt May's oh, gonna so, die. The acting also, is so good too. Right oh there is when gosh. he's like he's like a, he's a kid. He's like help help. He's, he's like, like crying. He's crying and yeah. then and then he has it's like, to like it's like an Infinity War. Just that's that's the moment. Yeah. that everyone cries <laughs> is when he's starting to disintegrate. Yeah, and he's looking what? at Tony. Wait. Yeah, and he's looking at Tony and he says I'm sorry. Oh yeah, and it's just like you're just a kid and you're apologizing. Yeah, because that's what it. Ugh. Well, when we get there, I'll just go off and want it more. And then he gets the strength 
to push the building off of him and to go after Vulture. They have this crazy fight sequence on the plane that is shielded. Yeah. That has like... um, It's like like camouflage. Camouflage, yeah, yeah. Like mirrors on it, but that are cameras. But... um, and and they're they're fighting and stuff and it's a pretty cool fight and it's this kind of there's this f- frantic energy to it because Spider-Man's so out of his element he can't like swing from stuff the plane's going so quick he can hardly hold on they fight the plane crashes and then um like Spider-Man is like really down on his luck he's i mean in terms physically like things are just rough and then he uh Vulture's still wanting to escape with the stuff. His wings explode, and all of that stuff happens. And then that is the end of the conflict. Am I correct in saying that, Jordan? Yes. Okay. Just had to get a, a picture. Yeah, we should post that probably for next week, which is Puss in Boots. Or no, it's a we're back to Civil War this next yeah. week. Um, and then Iron Man is like, yo, great job. I'm so happy everything worked out. Do you want to be an Avenger now? Spider-Man says, no, th- I know that this is a test. He shows the Iron Spider suit, which will be used in Avengers Infinity War. Very cool. Mm. And then um, all of a sudden, Gwyneth Paltrow shows up. and In a quite a revealing, <laughs> very unprofessional outfit. And they're doing a press release, mind you. And also, she's CEO of Stark Industries, and she's wearing... The skirt's fine. It's not the skirt that I have a problem with. She's wearing, like, a cotton cami tank top that is just, like... (laughs) It's very tight and form-fitting, which is just, like, okay, fine, that happens. But it's just, like, it's brown, and her skirt's black. Who Just, like, tell me the person who had their job was to put together only one costume for her because she's in this movie once. Well, it was probably her person that she hired to make her a personalized library. Oh my gosh, it was so bad. It was so bad. And then I I just feel like in this movie she's wearing a wig and I could totally be wrong. It does look like she's wearing a wig. You can tell when it's a wig when the the pair that's not on the scalp, you know what I mean? It's thin. Yeah. It's too thin. Wigs you can tell are really bad when you can see through because like usually when you have hair like right here you can't see the back of my hair because of my hair right here uh-huh. <laughs> but usually when people are wearing a wig you can see that back part of the hair yeah oh my gosh it's it's just like it pulls you it's suspension of disbelief yeah well that and drips you out of it you remember the last time we were with robert downey jr in this series uh what is it oh yeah me and me and pepper Potts broke up that too. And yeah. then, oh, they're just together. And there is not even a, there's not even a throwaway line like, glad we got back together in Bangladesh, which would have been stupid. But, um, but something. There's nothing. And it just, it reeks of like, oh yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow really just is kind of tired of the series. That's what it reeks of. And then, of course, she's in Endgame quite a bit and Infinity War. Well, not a lot in Infinity War, but you're kind of like, okay, I guess she does want to be in the series. It's the weird like Portman thing. Where you're like, I don't understand. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we love this series, but it's not without its faults. And some of that, I think, is like, you know, it's poor writing in, in that res- regard. But also, I mean, they are restricted to, like, a lot of things. Like, if you're just writing this story, you can spend as much time as you want but on things like that. But at least, at like least in Thor Ragnarok, there's someone that says, sorry, you broke up with Jane. Yeah. They, they at least say that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just weird However that they're back together. it is. Yeah. You know, so whatever there. You just you just wish, I mean, if you could like go back in Civil War. Wait, how did we jump forward to that yet? We didn't even talk about the last battle scene. We did. Was I not paying the attention plane? that much? 
And then when they're oh, on um, the ground and everything blows up. That's when I zoned out for a second. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Um, but anyway, that's just odd. Yeah. That's just odd. It's the vision thing as well. So it's like, oh, so they had probably a lot of character growth and it's all off screen. Cool. Um, and then he has become Spider-Man. Uh, and Robert Downey Jr. was paid $10 million to do this Wait, movie. did you mention that he turned down Tony's offer and I mm-hmm. zoned out there too? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We covered all that. Cool. <laughs> and then post credit scene, uh, Michael Madsen, or Michael M- Mando, who we... Oh, my, Michael Madsen? <laughs> Michael Mando, who was on the ferry, and we find out his name is Mac Gargan, or Mark Gargan. I, uh, I can't remember the first name. Who's the Scorpion? Uh, is like, I heard you know who, what Spider-Man's identity is. And Vulture's like, I'm not telling you. And they're both in prison. And I'm like, ooh, is Scorpion going to be in a movie? That'd be cool. Um, and then there's uh, the the best, one of the best post-credit scenes ever where it shows Captain America doing his, one of his videos again. Uh, and it's about patience. And he's like, sometimes things just aren't even worth waiting for. How, How many, many more, more of these do we have to do? <laughs> I love that. That's one of the best ones. Um, yeah, good movie, movie, really fun. I hope that whenever they make, um, Spider-Man three in this series, that they do some sort of thing about home again. So it's like homecoming far from home and homeward bound. <gasps> That's the obvious title, right? <laughs> um, and I, I, if you've been listening to the podcast, um, I edited in me explaining that Spider-Man is now back for so why are you saying it now? two Marvel movies, just to make sure, because this okay. is the Spider-Man episode. Um, and I think this is kind of funny, Jordan. Do we have any more thoughts on this movie? No. I think we covered it very thoroughly. Um, and you can take that to the dang bank if you want. Um, remember to rate, review, subscribe. Please. Also, I launched a Patreon. It's uh, patreon.com slash Micah and if you sign up for it, you can get um, Macaw Podcast Universe episodes on Monday instead of Friday. So you get them early. Um, and then there's a lot of other music-related things that you will get. And I believe next week I will be coming out with the second single for my album. Whoa. song called Manifest Destiny. It's a banger. I cool. love it. Uh, and if you haven't, I, I still have the dance out there. Um, and then, but finally, Jordan, this is kind of funny. Little inside baseball for you, listener. Yesterday, you were listening to, or uh, yesterday, listener, you got our bonus episode, which is a Halloween special about Fantastic Four. And right now, in us recording these, our next episode is Black Panther because we already recorded Thor Ragnarok. So we have a Michael B. Jordan double feature. One of the worst that movies that Marvel's has ever produced, and one of the best movies that Marvel has ever produced. Kind of funny. Anyway, next week is Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get, get your Thor on, baby. 